Amen. 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 With the horns now. Amen. With the rhythm now. Hey. Amen. But this this is a letter that was written um, by a real pastor to a real church in real time, and it was a church that was trying to figure out how do we love each other and have meaningful life together, even though we're really different and we get on each other's nerves and we do things the way that um, and we're, we're hostile to each other. And what I love about Ephesians, and I would encourage you to come back to it again and again, whether you're exploring God or whether you've been a Christian for a long time, because in this book is really the blueprint for how you're going to have to live for the rest of your life, because we live in an increasingly divided and hostile uh, society where we withhold love from each other very easily and we justify it very easily. And the call to Jesus on our life is for us to be engaged with and count as sisters and brothers those who deeply offend us and those um, who we would have nothing seemingly in common with. Um, that's what Jesus does is he brings those kinds of people together as one. And this is Paul's last words to the church in Ephesus here at the end of Ephesians. And it's, it's my last words to you. So it goes nicely together. Um, we're not going to do this, y'all. We are not going to do this. Madeline, don't you look at me like that. Um, but, you know, when, when people ask me, I will say, so part of my job has always been raising money for RUF and advocating for RUF with churches and um, being accountable to churches for the work that God's doing here. And whenever someone asks, how's it going? I've always responded, we'll see in like 15, 20 years. Um, because I, 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 God cares about what's, what you're going through right now deeply. Um, but it, it's often the case that what he's doing in you and in your lives now are things that won't become evident to you until the future. And so when I'm thinking about you and when we're talking and we're praying and I'm preaching or whatever, I'm thinking, what is it going to look like for this person to love Jesus uh, in their 30s and 40s? What's it going to look like for this person to be a wife or a husband, to be a member of a church, to be a parent, um, to be an employer or an employee? And I just want to say, like, I'm really encouraged by y'all. I'm excited for what God is doing in you. And um, so as we think about, we'll see in 20 years, I want you to remember a couple things from this passage. I'm going to read it, and we'll talk about it for a minute. So um, let's, let's listen together, because uh, this is the word of the living God. <clears throat> Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. 
praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask if you're comfortable uh, grabbing the hand of the person next to you <clears throat> as we ask God's blessing on our time. Um, our, our Father, um, Lord, many of us here know you. Many of us here aren't sure. Many of us here would, would love to know you. And Lord, many of us are hurting. Many of us are stressed, anxious about what the next few weeks hold. A lot of us are anxious about what the next three months hold. And Lord, I praise you. And I thank you that you're with us. Lord, the hand that we feel in ours is someone that you created in your image. And you have intentions for them. And Lord, um, I pray that you would be near us now as we, as we listen to these words. Lord, that what I say would really build people up. Um, and that being built up, we would see Jesus, and that we would see that you, Jesus, are so beautiful, and we'd be drawn to you, and we pray in your name. Amen. Okay, so um, three things that I want you to remember. I usually like to be a little bit more, you know, put together, but I want you to remember three things. This is it. I want you to remember that you have a soul. That sounds maybe silly in this context, um, but I want you to remember that you have a soul, I want you to remember that Jesus is everything. And um, I want you to remember to try your best. Okay. So I want you to remember that you have a soul. This um, letter was written to a church a couple of thousands of years ago when people were like a lot more comfortable talking about demons and spirits and spirituality and understanding that there was a spiritual realm. But even people that were really comfortable with like superstition, Paul still speaks to them and says... You need to know that you're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but you're wrestling the war that you're involved in, the battle that you're involved in, is one that's spiritual. It's, a, it's with these cosmic forces. And we, all of us, have grown up, whether you grew up in church or not, you grew up in a culture, in a society, that plays down spiritual realities to a point that they're not even existent, that they're optional. That knowing God or having a spirituality or a spiritual life is something that is completely optional for your life. We live in a society that where only the physical, observable things around us are real. And everything else is optional. And as a result, we don't understand what to do with ourselves. We don't understand what to do with what's going on in the world. So we see an act of violence... We, 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 the only way we know how to talk about an act of violence is that we reduce it to a mental health issue. And if you are here and you struggle with mental health issues, that might come across, if you think about it, as a little bit upsetting. Um, that when, when there's a mass murder, we talk about mental health. Um, we talk about our sadness, God bless you, as something that we need to medicate. And sometimes we do need medication, and medication is good and a helpful tool for us. Um, but, you know, when, when Christians are murdered in Charleston at a Bible study, or as they, uh, they're murdered in Sri Lanka as they gather for Easter, as happened this past weekend, you know, that's not, an, that's not an economic problem. It's not an education problem. 
um, that's, that, that's, that's not a mental problem. Paul, Paul would say that it's the work of the cosmic powers over this present darkness. That when we see something happening like that, we can't just merely reduce it and boil it down to chemistry. Racism, inequity, false teaching, loneliness, violence, all those things are the, are the result of spiritual forces. And one of the ways that we can move toward health, and I understand for some of y'all this sounds insane. And just bear with me. One of the ways that we can move toward health for ourselves and for our families and for our communities is to recognize what every person that has ever existed on the earth until now, and pretty much everyone that exists outside of the Western world already believes, and that there is a true spiritual reality that we are part of. That we are human beings and we have bodies and we attend the world in a physical way, but there's so much more going on that is just beyond what we can see, but it's very, very real. There is good and there is evil. There is light and there is darkness and these things are at war. Just beyond the place where we can see. And it's out in the world. It's in our communities. And Paul's been really clear in this letter. It's within ourselves. That this battle is raging. It's a spiritual battle that is raging within us. And the reason why I say remember you have a soul is because you need to know that the world that you live in is deeply enchanted. Magic is very you know, real. That's the only, one of the only words that we, can, that we can use to get at this thing that's happening out there, beyond us. And I think we all know that. Whether you're a follower of Jesus tonight or not, you know that your emotions are more than, than the mixing of chemicals, right? That, there, that there, there's something beyond that. That being in love is more than just a learned social behavior that we do in order to procreate to continue our species. Like, if I said, what is, you know, explain to me what love is, you, I mean, what, how, you, you say, well, it's kind of like this. It's very real, but it's just beyond our logic, in a sense. That grief, we all know that grief and longing for justice are more than just you being fragile. So you're grieving and you can't get over it because you're, you're fragile. Please hear me. If you were at Aria last week, I hope you heard that. And that your longing for justice isn't just a political preference, but it's something real. It's something that needs to be fixed, and it's something that we want to be involved in. And you know that when you reflect in your soul, that you have a soul that is capable of love and is capable of darkness. Knowing God isn't just some optional bit. If God created everything, what you did, and he created you. He created you with a body and a soul, and knowing him is absolutely everything. And it makes a lot of sense when the scripture tells us you can't begin to know how to do life and be a whole person until you know him. Because what we tend to believe when we just, when we just deal with the world as it is and we totally disenchant the world and it's not spiritual is we see the enemy as other people. Um, but I have a friend and a mentor. Her name is Karen Ellis. And she always says, other people are not the enemy. Satan is the enemy. And I know how absurd in some ways that sounds to say, there is a devil 
and he's the enemy. But when you look inside yourself and when you look out into the world, I think if you're honest, you can see that's not a cop-out. But that, that is just alignment with reality. And so I want to encourage you, when I say to remember that you have a soul, I want to encourage you to to know and to hear that you are more than your earning potential. You are more than your major. You are more than the measurements and shape of your body. You're more than your brain chemistry. You are more than your GPA. You are a human being created in God's image with a body and soul. And what is going to plague your community... This is, this is like the hard word, okay? And then we'll get to good stuff. What is going to plague your community and what is going to plague your marriage if you get married, what's going to pre- plague your friendships and your career is not ability or skills or where you went to school, but this battle between darkness and light, which is part of you and it's part of me and it's part of everyone around us and it's part of our world because it's within you. And so my question for you to try to, to, try to, to deal with that is, are you able... To take a joke. Like, are you able to laugh at yourself? Are you able to be curious about other people? You know, if you if you have a soul and everyone has a soul and there's a spiritual reality, then there is this amazing mystery that is the people around you. And and if you're going to be able to be curious about other people, especially people outside of your tribe, you're going to have to understand that. Are you able to seek forgiveness from other people, even when when you think what you did wasn't a big deal? And are you able to receive forgiveness and extend forgiveness when you have been deeply hurt and, and deeply wounded? Because, listen, in 10 years, the impulse in your soul is going to be to withhold love it just is. It's there now. But but in ten years, you you'll you'll feel justified in detaching and insulting and withholding love from people that Jesus calls your sisters and brothers, um, because their kid hit yours. And it sounds silly because you're like, I don't have kids. Because their kid hit yours, you you will justify insulting or detaching. Or like you might be in a place where you help shape the policy that your company uses to hire people and who are allowed to be hired by your company. What is it in a person's past that may prevent them from being hired by your company? It will be easy to withhold love and to justify withholding love. Or when you find out one day that your spouse is not the same person that you thought you were going to marry and they probably already realized that about you, right? And what's going to happen is you're going to feel the war. And it's going to be very real. And you need to remember that you have a soul. And that you can't neglect it. Okay? And here's the good news, though, about, about that war. Because I know it sounds like an intense word. The good news about that war that's inside of you and that's out in the world is that it's already been won. Yeah. Jesus is everything. That's the second thing I want you to remember, that Jesus is everything. And he has already won the war against Satan and the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places. All these rulers and authorities, Jesus has defeated them. He defeated Satan and darkness. And the worst thing that Satan and darkness have been able to do is to make death reign on the earth. 
to kill people and to make sure that they stay dead. And the worst they could do was death. And Jesus defeated them and death when he rose from the dead. The most important thing that has ever happened is what was celebrated on Sunday, where some of our sisters and brothers were murdered celebrating. And their abiding hope was that death is not the end. But that Jesus rose from the dead. And when Jesus rose from the dead, Paul says in Ephesians 1, and I won't go back and re-preach that all again, is that Jesus is now on a throne. And the throne is over everything that exists. And he is the king. And he's going to return to put everything right. That is our hope. Jesus is able to be everything because he is the one that is bringing everything together and fixing everything and banishing the darkness and bringing light to bear in our lives. So how do we live in, in, in the meanwhile? Because look, I don't know how to wrestle with spiritual forces. And there wasn't like, you know, a class for that. You know, at Georgia Southern, especially. Um, there wasn't a lot of wrestling against the cosmic powers when I was at Georgia Southern. Um, some of y'all know that well. Paul says you're supposed to put on this armor. Okay, and he goes through all these pieces of the armor. And putting on this armor is another way of Paul saying, put on Jesus. Allow Jesus to be everything that you ever could possibly need to live in the light instead of living in the darkness. Because each piece is just something that Jesus is or, or, or does. If you look through it, there's a belt of truth. You know, you got to put on this belt. If you've ever read The Hobbit, whenever Bilbo's about to do something, Bilbo must have been losing a lot of weight because every time he's about to do something, he like hikes up his belt, you know, girds his loins, right? <laughs> he's always tightening his belt. God's truth, the, the, the belt of truth, God's truth is, is beneath our armor holding up our pants. Because, I mean, I feel exposed a lot. Um... And what God is saying is, if you hold fast to the truth of Jesus, you can have confidence, even in that vulnerability that Jesus is going to win. He says the breastplate of righteousness. Now, in Rome, soldiers would have a breastplate that would go over the front and the back and cover their vital organs. Didn't cover your head, though. Problematic. Um, and our greatest protection against the enemy, Paul is saying, is this thing called righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus Because God demands, if we're going to know him, because he is love and he is purity and he is all things that are beautiful, that if we're going to be with him, we have to be like him. So we have to be totally full of love and capable of loving. And we have to be completely pure. But I don't have either one of those things. And you don't have either one of those things. You have the spark of them, but not the whole thing. But Jesus is morally pure. Every, if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the stories of Jesus' life, and you just walk through how he communicated with people and related with people, everything he ever did flowed from love for that person and for God. It's amazing. And when, G, when you come to know Jesus, and if you're here tonight and you put your faith in Jesus, what he does is he unites himself to you. And he says, I will never let you go. And what is true of me now becomes true of you. And that righteousness, that rightness, that purity, that beautiful life of love, he gives it to you. And he says, I want you to put it over you and to protect everything about you that would take 
where your life can be taken. I want you to put it on to protect you. Because listen, the evil one will come and tell you, and maybe he's telling you every day now, God does not love you. And he could not love you. Because I see, I've seen what you do. I know what you think. And God does too. And that means you don't belong with him. You've messed up too much. And you can respond, this sounds insane, <laughs> to the devil. Okay, so just deal with that. <laughs> By beating your breastplate and saying, I got Jesus on. He's covered me. Every beautiful thing he did, he put it on me. And he protects me. And he says there's shoes. And the shoes, you put on the shoes, they're the gospel of peace. Roman soldiers wore the sandal and was able to like dig in the ground. He says stand firm on the gospel. You don't stand on what you've done. You stand on what Jesus has done. You rest in the good news that Jesus has brought peace to your life. That keeps us from being driven back. And then there's a shield of faith. There's a helmet of salvation. And you're like, this is all just Jesus stuff, right? These are all things that Jesus is or Jesus does. And Paul is basically saying, for a belt, put on Jesus. And for a breastplate, Jesus. And shoes, put on Jesus. And a shield, the faith of Jesus, on your head, wear the salvation that Jesus gave you. And what he's saying is, if you're going to go out and you're actually going to stand and be a whole woman or a whole man in God's image, the only tools that God gives you to do that is Jesus. It is him, his very self that he offers to you. I'm not a big Avengers person. I'm going to be real about that. I saw Infinity War three weeks ago and was a little late to the party, but it was pretty, it was pretty good. Not really buying the ending, you know, but I guess we'll find out. Tomorrow we need to get tickets. Did you get tickets? I'll talk to you. Later. Yeah. But what I love from from the Infinity War movie is the Hulk character, Mark Ruffalo's character, because they need him to be the Hulk, but he's like lost. I think he's just more sad than angry, you know. And he's like insecure Hulk, and so like every time he like wants to become the Hulk and Hulk smash him, he's like, Aah! and then just can't. You know, he has like like. Hulk dysfunction, you know, HD, and uh, he can't he can't become the Hulk, not on the sheet. Probably shouldn't have said that. Um, and so what Iron Man does, also like in Infinity War, Iron Man just has an Iron Man suit for everybody apparently, uh, for Spider Man, for Hulk, whatever. And Hulk gets this epic Hulk Iron Man suit, and just inside is like little Mark Ruffalo in there, right? And he can't muster up within him the thing that he needs to do this battle, and so he puts on this Iron Man costume. And what Jesus says is that you, you cannot muster up what you need. But Jesus has done everything that we need and he invites us to put him on and to wear him and to know that we are safe in him. And like, I guess if there was one thing that I wanted y'all to know, and I don't even really know how to say this, it's just that Jesus is beautiful beyond all imagining. And he's really strong. And he is able to do things that we can't even possibly imagine. The Bible actually says that. He's able to do far more abundantly than all we could ever ask or think. And he's the king of everything. And he just loves you so, so, so much. And he wants to protect you. He is not holding anything back from you. It may not all be evident right now. You might not know how to push all the buttons in the, in the Hulk suit yet. But he loves you so, so much. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus yet, 
you haven't trusted him yet. And if you're here and you, you have, you need to hear that life with God, real life, is a gift from God. And someone gives you a gift because they want you to have it. Because they want you to take it. They don't want you to pay them back. They just want you to receive it. Just say yes, you know. And my, my encouragement to you about this would be to hold fast to Jesus. Really practically, I don't know where you carry your stress. I carry my stress in my lower back. <laughs> my wife carries her stress in the shoulder area. Wherever you carry your stress, you can slump down that part of you into Jesus. And the last thing is, is this, is to remember to try your best. Um, I feel like I've been, I've been trying to figure out how to say this for six years, and I still, I still don't know. But there's a lot to do. If you look in the world, there's a lot to do. Me and Ellie were talking this morning about schools, and why is it the case that we just figure out ways to make them less equitable every time we do something? It's like the answer is obvious for like how to how to do this and make schools like all schools be great schools for all of our kids, not just our kids, but our kids, you know? Um, there's a lot to do. There's a lot of people that don't know Jesus. And, and does your relationship with God depend on what you do? No. Never think it. That wouldn't be good news. Is this all up to you? Not in the slightest. Does God call you to give every single bit of yourself to this? Yes. Absolutely. And I know, because I've talked to so many of you, that you really want something that you can give your best to and that you can engage your full heart in. (coughs) The darkness can't win because Jesus has already won. But the darkness can make you a really miserable person. And we all want to live authentically. I get that. And like we want to be able to give ourselves and just like go all in. Like Luke Calhoun, where's Luke Calhoun? He's in here somewhere with his with his mullet. And um, that's Olivia uh, and Luke. They were part of it. <laughs> he just turned on the light in the <laughs> yeah, Luke um, in the in the baby cry room. Um, Luke is a person that has like taught me this like this this huge desire to want to do things with a full heart. Okay, if you know Luke, you should get to know. Him. We all want to live authentically to give our whole selves, but we're all really terrified of trying to do that and failing at it. Because then what's left? If you gave your whole self and then you failed, it's, it's, a, it's a serious conundrum. You want to live authentically, but you're afraid of failing. Um, if, if I'll only do something, I'll only choose a major, choose a career, choose a spouse, if I know I can go in all the way with my whole heart. But what if I choose the wrong career I give my heart to it or choose the wrong spouse to give my heart to it and I fail, then I, I wouldn't be able to go on. If you want to know what the existential crisis of being 19 to 35 right now is, it's that conundrum. I want to live authentically, but I'm terrified of failing because of what that would mean about me. So we just sit. And we actually just usually don't do anything. Or we give like 70%. Because then if we fail, we can always say, well, I didn't try all the way. And what Jesus is offering you and me is the only way to live in full authenticity and give your whole self, but also to have complete confidence that if you fail, it's going to be okay. 
it's okay to try. Uh, if there's one thing, oh gosh, <clears throat> if there's one thing I've always wanted RUF to be, and I'm so excited for the future because I know this is part of our culture now, is that this is a place where you can come and try to do something and like just completely screw it up. And it's like, it's okay. Some of y'all, we will hear some stories about this next week, and you don't want to miss people talking about how they failed. Thank you for laughing. It's okay to feel like you love Jesus and also feel like maybe it's all completely made up. I got some mmms, okay, all right. Um, that you're like, I love Jesus, I think he's real, I want to give him everything, and also like, <laughs> this is so stupid. Like, if the other people I hung out with, I told them, I love Jesus, they would be like, oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is true of me, and that is true of every person that has known Jesus throughout history. And it's still okay to pray when you feel that way. Because God still hears you with gladness, with a smile. Because the gospel is a mystery. This good news of you is a mystery. It's in the Bible. You know, read the Bible. Um, it's actually in this passage. Okay? The mystery of the gospel. Mysteries make you feel really weird. Make you feel funny and give you a lot of self doubt. They're also really, really, really awesome. And the mystery of Jesus is one that he invites us into to try. So, my final call to you here is don't be afraid of following Jesus. Aren't you tired of being afraid? Of being afraid of not knowing enough or not being enough, afraid of being wrong. Afraid of it all being a joke. And the weapons that God gives us, all of it's defensive and it gives us two weapons. And it's read the Bible and pray. And, and what that means is that what God has given us is just further ways to depend on him. And I want to admonish, admonish is like this old school word that's like, I want to tell you something to do and really mean it. Please take responsibility for your own joy. Because God hears you and he speaks. And, and I just want to, to leave with this encouragement. Um, you know, y'all have taught me so much. Um, <clears throat> you know, y'all changed my life. The funny thing about them down here is they knew me when I first got here. And like the things that you guys think are like cool and like, oh, he's like social justice stuff is like, they're like, oh, that wasn't the Chris I knew when he got here. <laughs> uh, and they were patient with me, so thank y'all. Um, but y'all changed me and changed my family. So thanks for that. And I think the hardest thing <clears throat> about moving on is, um, you know, our, our girls are here. And uh, one of them is looking at me like, you didn't say you were going to talk about me. <laughs> and they have spent so much time with y'all. And you have formed them. And you've, you've formed their lives. And um, I'm really excited for y'all. Because you are... 
the next is feel silly to say, y'all are the church of the future. And y'all know there's a lot of problems. Um, and I've been with y'all long enough to feel really excited about what's ahead. Um, I trust y'all more than I've trusted most people. And that means that you've got to try. Like, you can't quit. You can't justify quitting because you're not willing to ask a question. You're not willing to receive forgiveness. You're not willing to extend forgiveness. You have got to stay in the church because it's all true. Something that Olivia used to say always meant a lot to her when I, when I was pretending I can't look at Olivia. Um, is that I, I used to say a lot, like, doesn't it feel real even if it's just for a second? For just for a second. Like, what if it's all real? And Jesus really is on the throne, and there really is this huge spiritual battle, and it wants to get inside of you and to destroy people, and you're actually able to be an agent of the light. You've got to stay. And you've got to try because we need you. Stand firm. Um, my, there's a man that, I, when I was ordained in this building uh, six years ago, I guess, he was here. And he's like my father in the faith. His name's Tom. And um, he always says, uh, perseverance beats zeal every time. And what he means by that is following Jesus is just a day-by-day standing with him. And so I just want to say thank you. Really grateful for you. Um, I'm going to, we're moving to Winston-Salem. And um, I'll be an assistant pastor in a church there. I'm really excited that maybe one day some of y'all will be in our church. Um, That thrills me. Um, But yeah, just remember. Let's pray. Grab that hand again. I'm done. Uh, Jesus, thank you um, again for the hand we feel. Lord Jesus, you put on flesh and you came to us and you held hands. And you're with us now. So Lord, I just pray that you would teach these things through our heart, that you would help us to remember that we have a soul and it's precious and we don't know what to do with it, but you do. And you have done all the work that we could ever need to, to bring us back to yourself and to receive us with, sm- with a smile. And you're everything to us. Help us to believe that, to remember that. And Lord, help us to try to engage with you and with our neighbor. Lord, I thank you and I praise you. And I'm full of gratitude. And I know Sarah Jane is full of gratitude um, for the joy that you've given to us in this space. And Lord, I thank you for the joy that you're bringing out into our lives, into the lives of the women and men in this room. And I ask, Lord, that you would help us just for a second to believe that it's true. And so follow you. And we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Everybody say
Amen.